got a t-shirt with bloodstains all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. <laughs> I remember the day the candle shop burned down. Everybody just stood around and sang happy birthday. And a security guard came over and said, you're gonna have to move, you're blocking the fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't gonna run. <laughs> You make love to the right woman. Johnny is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, the last time I made love to my wife, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Nothing was happening. I looked her, I saw it's the matter. Can't you think of anyone either? <laughs> I never learn, you know? Like a waitress will bring my meal. Hey, enjoy your meal, you too! But you don't have one, do you? I'm a doofus! If you do eat, enjoy when you eat it. If you have a break or something later, if you get an opportunity, that's all I'm trying to say. That's all that I'm driving at, really. Hello, welcome to Comedy Think Tanked, a podcast with Leonard Kimball and Nick Gordon, two comedians who know how to take a drink and have a thought. Sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy. Now, whether they're ready or not, here's your hosts, Leonard and Nick. Hello, and welcome to Comedy Think Tanked. Uh, I'm Leonard with Nick. How you doing, Nick? Hello, hello. Good, how are you? I'm fantastic. I've had a beer, can you tell? Oh, I'm I'm having one too. What are you drinking? I am drinking Laser Cat uh, from Medusa Brewery. (laughs) Laser Cat Imperial IPA. It's got a cat with friggin' lasers coming out of the eyes. That's how you know it's a that's how you know it's a high quality beers. Yeah. Dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. <laughs> Is that how it comes out when you yeah. pee? <laughs> Lazy. Yeah, we used to have two cats. Now we have one. <laughs> <coughs> that's bad. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm drinking uh, New England's first craft brewery, Geary's uh Maine's summer ale. Okay. Um six point zero percent uh alcohol uh 12 fluid ounces in these little tiny bottles i love i love i love gearies i've always loved gearies i think they're, they're since the 1983 first, uh, they're the first uh but then, I, never, I, okay. I never noticed that it says right on new england's first craft brewery i'm sure there's some specific um uh category that that falls under but 1983 i mean back in 83 people were drinking skunk piss so <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it was, uh, it and you, was uh, a you barren wasteland. And you weren't allowed to drink in 1983, right? I was not allowed to. Um, I don't know that I ever actually did, but I have heard stories of some family members of mine, uh, in particular my sister and my one of my younger cousins, both uh, stealing uh, on separate occasions a drink of their parents. Oh, I, my 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 cousin drank a full beer. Apparently that, um, or she would no, she would sneak beer behind my uncle's chair. Like that was always that was always the story is that she and, would and she hide it. it. She's hiding behind the chair, or she would, like like she she's would. a little kid. She's hiding behind the chair, and the beer would be on the ground, and she'd be s- stealing sips of it. 
Oh, like like slipping her arm around while he's watching yep. the game or something like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. And then my sister apparently uh, drank my mother or my father's glass of wine one night. She was little. And then, then when they took her up to put her to bed, they took her upstairs and, and she got to the top of the stairs and she's like, whoa, that was a big jump. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, I mean, it wouldn't have been 1983. It would have been sometime after that. But uh, I, I always thought that was a funny story, too. So okay. I don't remember drinking as a little kid. I, I remember having a sip of like Schlitz malt Ugh. liquor. That was what my dad would drink. Yeah. And thinking I was like, that was that's horrible. I mean, <laughs> why would you drink this when you can drink Hawaiian Punch instead? I know this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, Son, Hawaiian Punch doesn't make you feel good, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man. So, uh, so we're here. Um, uh, we had a, we had another we had another guest. Yes. Someone else actually came on our podcast, and he came all the way from Vermont. All the way from Vermont. It's like in an, it's like a whole other state, I think. It is, yeah. Uh, it's a whole other two states away. I think you actually have to go through Massachusetts and New Hampshire to get there. Well, it sounds dangerous. No, it's not not quite that dangerous. But okay, Vermont's nice. I don't know if you've ever been to Vermont, but I like I like it up there. I would. I don't I think you've ever been. Really? Yeah. We should do a road trip to the Vermont Comedy Club and and the other venues that they have up there. Yeah, I've never been for comedy myself, but I've, I have been to Vermont. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but Joel came down. Uh, he had a show here in in, uh, in Auburn, and uh, he stopped by and and talked to us. And it was a it was a nice conversation with someone who's, you know, been in comedy doing stand up as long as we have, but has been in show business much longer. Yeah, a long while. Yeah, a long while. So it was a really good conversation. But he talked about uh, how the the audiences in Vermont were highly intelligent, and I got to thinking. You know, I don't I don't know about you, but I don't ever really tailor my uh, my act, my my stand up set to the <laughs> audience, who the audience is. I never thought about it. But yeah, recently, we've we've had some like project graduation shows with, with kids. And I know in the past we've done an old folks home or no, it wasn't an old folks home. It was a, uh, a cancer benefit or something. Didn't we? Oh, like, oh, at the karate dojo for for uh, yeah. for Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, well, especially back then for that, that benefit show, uh, I only had like six minutes of material and now I've got like 10 or 15 minutes of material and I don't tailor for the audience. I don't, I don't tailor for the audience at all. And it, it doesn't even matter how they're reacting. Also, it's like, I don't, I, I, yeah, I got a, I got a set list. I have a script. I am following <laughs> and, and you need to, you need to jump on the ride and come with me <laughs> because that's, that's the way to set. That's the way to set's going. I'm this sorry. is happening whether or not they they want to or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whether you like it or not, I'm going to end with David Blake. And when, at some point in the middle, I'm going to talk about Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's weird because I think like, Oh, some people will say like, come come off stage and go like, Oh, I, it seemed like they didn't like that sort of joke. And so I veered and I started doing my other bits and I'm like, well, I only have so many bits. So <laughs> I'm going to do them regardless. Right. I have to fire every bullet I got. So like, these are, these are my bullets. Sorry. I'm, t- I'm too busy thinking about uh, what my next joke actually is going to be. Um, and trying to force myself not to look at my list or something like that uh, to think about what the audience, I mean, if they're laughing, I figure, well, the, what the hell I'll just be, 
as funny as I can be and just keep them laughing. Um, but I don't really ever think about like, well, I should probably tell this joke here instead of that joke because these people would appreciate this more than that. <laughs> oh, no. You know? And I don't know that I have anything super controversial. And I know when I have said something controversial or, or something that people will be like, ooh, that's, that's, a, that's a hot topic. You can't say that. I usually um, will lean right into it. Right. Of, yeah, you address of, it. Yeah. yeah, instead of um, dancing around the subject. So mm-hmm. maybe it's all wrong and we're doing it badly. And <laughs> this, is why, <laughs> this is why we are where we are. Yeah, but, right. Uh, 18 years from now, we're going to say, hey, remember how we never tailor our set for people? Yeah, that was dumb. Remember <laughs> how dumb that was? Remember how dumb we were? <laughs> well, I well, I honestly think it's just like, you know, we're still new to comedy. We don't have a ton of material. And Speak for yourself. Oh, OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like a ton where like if someone said like, OK, right. go do 40 minutes and you have like, great, I've got good 40 minutes. And now yeah. if I have a good 40 minutes and someone says do a 20 minute set, then I could be dynamic in what I choose to do sure. on stage. If people don't like certain types of jokes, I can realize, OK, I'm going to bail on that little section of, of the set I had planned and jump to this set that I decided I wasn't going to do. Yeah. Yeah, um, but but at the same way, when things are going poorly for me on stage, uh, which never happens to me, yeah, <laughs> uh, I, all I am thinking about is don't forget your next joke. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like I don't even. I don't. Even, it doesn't even bother me when people don't laugh at certain some, something. I'm more afraid about forgetting the next joke, the next series of jokes. Right. Um, so. So it's not like I'm tailoring it. It's just more like, oh, well, geez, I got to I got to just push through. I got to push through and get to the end of this because I have to do 12 minutes. Right. If you yeah. showed up at a venue and, 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 and the booker or the bartender or whomever was there uh, kind of helping you along your way in, into that venue for the first time. And they said, like, oh, by the way, don't you can't talk about Bill Cosby. <laughs> would, would would that throw you for such a loop that you wouldn't be able to do your time or or do you think you'd be able to x that out in your brain yeah in your set well i well thankfully my set bill cosby is a small bit but if like if they said like don't do I'm anything just saying, for instance <laughs> yeah yeah but if they said don't do anything about race and don't do uh, anything about weight and i'm gonna be like okay well um should, Why am I, I here? Yeah, should I just <laughs> should I just take an Uber home right now? What's going <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I would just find out tell them like, well, sorry, that's yeah, I'm I'm so here. I have thirty seconds now. So <laughs> <laughs> like, do I get paid for a thirty second set? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can. Oh, man, I might just. I don't. I don't. It probably won't ever happen. I think that's kind of the thing. But I would hope not. Yeah. But, you know, like I, you know, Joel talks about it a little bit. And, and if we ever go to Vermont and uh, neither one of us are super controversial anyway, so it's not like it's going to be. But there's other there are people out there. There are comedians out there that, you know, they they love, you know, to swear or they love to talk about the most dirtiest, heinous things they can come up with. Or they love to, um, you know, toe the line or jump over the line of any subject that they can possibly come up with, whether it be um you know abortion or or rape or suicide or you know any crazy number of things like that and right and, uh, i just have to wonder we you know we've always heard the the, the old the old adage clean uh green well, what the fuck's it what does don say C- clean, clean equals green clean equals green yeah yeah and and uh you know obviously that's probably the best way to go if you want to get paid but if you're trying to be really funny and 
make a name for yourself sometimes it's the other way so mm-hmm. i don't know but um yeah, we just need to keep writing. I think is what the long and short of it is. I think, the, yeah, the long Let's and get short enough of it, material for it, and then we'll just, worry about it. Keep writing so that when it when it does happen, it's it's less of a hassle for you, and you can just go like, yeah, sure, I will do set number thirteen. <laughs> yep. Or I'll set. insert into, yeah, yeah, uh huh, this this bit instead of that and and such. Ah, that'd be fun. It would be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Boy. So yeah, great. So with All that, right. let's let's throw it to our interview with uh, the fantastic Joel Klein. Thank you, everyone. All right, hello and welcome to Comedy Think Tank podcast with uh, Leonard Kimball, Nick Gordon. Today we have a stand-up comedian from Vermont who is also a television writer, producer, director, and more. Uh, Joel Klein. Welcome to Leonard's Basement, Joel. I love being in Leonard's Basement. It's yeah. nice and cool. <laughs> it feels good. It feels all right. good. Uh, let's jump right in. We're all dads here. Uh, how's your How's your lawn today? Uh, you know, I um, we've had a very invasive uh, mole. Uh, oh. It's been really bad. It was really bad last year, and um, it's it's better this year. But it's it's um, we're close to ground. Uh, we're pretty close to caddyshacking them. Oh <laughs> man! Like stick some dynamite. Yeah, awesome. it's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, is caddyshack a, a favorite movie of yours? It is. Yeah. Um, more so now because I really want to blow these things up. Um, yeah, I but could get was, into some dynamite. That'd be yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. We had a guy come out and he's setting little poison bait things around, and I'm like, "This M80s, just throw it in there, <laughs> and let's take care of this. Let's finish it off. Wow. Let's finish it off." So you guys came from Vermont today. Uh, yep. How was the drive? That's always a nice drive. Yeah. You know, three four hours. Uh, it was about four hours, and we've run out of things to talk about. Already. Yeah, so um, <laughs> stopped at McDonald's on the way. Nice, you know, and then uh, yeah, and then finished up here. What's your go-to? I had chicken McNuggets. Ah, yeah, today uh, because you can eat them in the car. What else? Yeah, exactly. Making a mess on yeah. yourself. Okay. Yeah, barbecue, sweet and sour. Yeah, you normally go uh, buffalo, but today I went hot mustard. Oh, hot mustard. All right, I like it. Are you like dipping them while you're driving, like have the dip like on the dashboard and like that? You're not uh... normally. I have like the box in them there, so I do a, a quick and then okay steering wheel and then quick and then <laughs> right. steering wheel. I like it. I like it. All right, uh, let's get right into it. You were, you're, I mean, we talked about it just a minute ago, but television. I mean, where do we start? Thirty-year um, career in uh, television. I, I've worked in uh, game shows and reality shows mm-hmm. for about thirty years. Yeah. Um, started off as a production assistant on Hollywood Squares. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and like the original Hollywood Squares. Not the we... original. I okay. know I'm old, but I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that old. Uh, no, the John Davidson version. Okay. Uh, awesome. Which was on in the late '80s. Uh huh. Which was uh, the first show I worked on, and then eventually just worked my way up to executive producer and. Doing shows um, like let's, that. Let's get a working definition of uh, work, uh, executive producer. Uh, you see that you see producer, executive producer, and all these other. The it's different. Like executive producer in television and executive producer in film are very different things. Mm-hmm. Executive producer in film many times are the financiers or someone from the studio, things like that, and the producer does all the work. Yeah, and that's like the main thing. That's when you see like the Academy Awards, they give the, the best picture to. Mm-hmm. The um to the producer, 
And in television, the executive producer is the one who is in charge of running everything. So the, the, I guess the best way to um, sum up is if you, were, if you were a contractor, you know, and then mm-hmm. I'd have a bunch of people working there and they would all be responsible in their things. But the EP is responsible for it. Usually um, the EP has a creative vision and that's what you're trying to deliver. Okay. So um, you're, you're the showrunner. You're running the show. So okay. as the executive producer. And then um, because cable networks are so cheap, they started giving everybody producer credits. Because oh. we'll go, we'll give you a producer credit. It'll be good on your resume. Because we're not going to pay you well. And, <laughs> and so that's how they'll come. You see a million different line producer and coordinating mm-hmm. producer and so many producer titles is because... A long time ago, MTV and all of them just said, screw it, we're not going to give money, but we'll give you titles. And then it just got out of control that there's just, I see. there's so many different producers on a show, but they all obviously do certain things, but we didn't need the producer okay. title for everybody. Interesting. Right. So the late 1980s Hollywood Squares, who were the celebrities? Um, well, John Davison was the host. Our, th- our oh. three regulars, uh, Joan Rivers was the mm-hmm. center square. Uh-huh. Yeah. Jim J. Bullock was the upper left. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that show? Oh. Too Close for Comfort. Too Close for Comfort, right. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Okay. And and also he was in Spaceballs. Oh, nice. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Prince Valium. The young yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, what we would call the lockbox was in the, the eighth square was uh, Shadow Stevens, which okay. he was big in, on the West Coast. Yeah. Because he was the voice of these um, commercials. So everybody okay. knew him out there and he was a radio DJ. So people knew him on the West Coast, but... That's where he came from. All right. I remember all of that. Um, I was a child. But. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, to me now, I was a child then. Sure. Because oh, uh, yeah. I was in my 20s <laughs> doing your, it. Oh, but, 100%. Yeah. Was, so. was that the run of the show when Gilbert Gottfried was on there? The, no, he came, He started doing the other version that came after that. Because okay. there's been a few versions of it with, I think, Tom Bergeron was the host of that one. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. And Whoopi Goldberg might have been the center Square, right? Was yeah. involved in it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. I can picture it. Yeah, that that was after my version that I did that I worked on. Cool. Wow. So are you are you immediately involved in the day to day production of that show? Are you there hands on on um, on any show really when you're when you're a producer? When I'm oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, in my mind, I'm, I'm picturing a bunch of people that are involved, but they're involved in in these uh, peripheral ways. But the um, a typical day, you know, if you weren't shooting, would be in the office, and there mm-hmm. would just be meetings after meetings. And like, because I do game shows, reality shows, with usually game competitions, so um, we'd usually I'd meet with the casting department. They'd be talking about contestants. I'd be talking to the story producers about previous episodes where we are in the edit i'd be talking to the challenge producers about for the next show what you know challenges we're creating and things like that you know so it would be just getting right that's all pre-production and production you know obviously the day of and Mm -hmm. then post-production just working with the editors and story producers so you know putting each episode together yeah interesting was it filmed in front of a live studio audience uh studio game shows were they were yeah 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 cool yeah yeah Uh, did you have someone open up for for the show to get get them uh get them going uh, does that really happen? Like, like you see in like movies, like people warming up the, the warm up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Literally called the warm up guy. Oh, um, right. cool. Yeah. Depending on the show. Yes, you would. My shows, we never really did cause they were game shows. You don't have to do it. Sitcoms do it a lot. Keep the audience fresh. So they're yeah. going to laugh and things like that. Right. Okay. Um, Hollywood squares, the, um, 
we actually we did have a warm-up guy in Hollywood Square that would talk to the audience, let them know what's going on. We we had to stop down for a reason. They'd be like, "Oh, this is a stop down," and they're doing this, and then he would start just keeping them engaged. That way, people don't lose interest and stuff huh. like that. But because um, you know, we would shoot five of those a day, so oh, you'd shoot oh, a whole wow. week in one day with the same audience. You would rotate halfway through, so we would do three shows wow. with the same audience. Then we'd break for dinner. Um, go away for an hour to eat, and then we'd come back and do the final two shows. And we'd flip audiences for that. We'd bring a second audience in. That sounds grueling, actually. That's that's a lot. It is, but... You're working in television, so it's fun? Yeah. yeah. That's what yeah. I always tell people. You're working in television, it's fun. And there's not like... I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot to do. But as I always tell people, we could be having to dig a ditch for a living. Right, right. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's fun. And, you know, you're doing things that you like. And so, like, I I mean, I like doing it. So it never really felt like work. Okay. Except when I was a PA and had to go out and run errands. (laughs) That sucked. Get us coffee. (laughs) Well, I can tell you the worst one I ever had to do is uh, I had an executive producer. He came in. It was actually Hollywood Squares. And I was was my my first year working in television. I was a PA. And he came in and he had a a toilet seat. And um, (laughs) Stop right there. (laughs) And... uh, it had a crack in it. Oh, Jesus. And he goes, um, I need you to go out and get me um, this replacement for this. And this is before the internet, obviously. So I couldn't just like start Googling, yeah. you know. Uh, so I had to go to all these plumbing supply places. And I literally had to carry it in and go, I need this exact model because my executive producer told me it fits his ass perfectly. <laughs> yes, he is an ass. So, and then uh, one wow. time... The associate producer had me uh, get lunch for her dog, oh, so I had to run out and get a hamburger for uh, for Luke. Um, wow! And bring back a, a hamburger for the dog. Medium rare. Yeah. <laughs> so she didn't tell me it was for the dog until I got back, oh, and that no. really pissed me off. Yeah. <laughs> oh man! Well, she like pick it off the lettuce. What is she, lettuce? That's what she did. I brought oh, the burger, go- and she opened up, and she started taking everything off. Oh my god! And then she took just the patty, and she put it on the floor, and I'm like, <laughs> Are you? Kidding me? I I literally had to run out and get this burger for this dog. She didn't even tell you a plain burger, just like oh no. (laughs) Was it In and Out? No, it was some other place. I can't remember what it was. Oh man, wow, that sucks. Did you did you did you get into this because you 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 know went to school? This was always your dream to do, and then you find yourself getting a burger for a dog. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It was. um, Hear that, kids? I I I wanted to. all my life, I wanted to work in television. Yep. I went to school, went to college, got a, a bachelor's degree in communications, got my master's in television and radio from Newhouse at Syracuse, top yep. school of TV. Sure. Okay. Moved out to LA and started looking for toilet seats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but can you tell when a burger's done? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so this um, resume is wonderful. I love it. But how about getting toilet seats? Oh my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh. Well, the way I first got my first job yeah. was I met with the executive producer and he said, you know, everybody can do this job as a PA, your production assistant. And he said, I have a drawer here of resumes and yours is going to go on top. And if we need a PA, I will pull that and whoever's resume is on top is who I call. So right now you're on top. But if someone comes in tomorrow and gives me their resume, theirs will be on top. Uh, and I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. All right. Whoa, and then, that's, um, that's a kick in the nuts. Yeah. Wow. And then luckily, the PA on that show quit. Yeah. After well, I like left that day. That day. Yeah. 
And he called me up and he said, remember how I told you whoever's resume is on top? I'm like, yeah, he goes, yours is on top. Someone quit. If you want the job, you start tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. Shit luck. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. To have your dream, you have your dreams as a child. You just know, hinge up. on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, That's he recognized your talent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of heartbreaking. Actually. <laughs> but 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 let me say it all led to uh, a credit here that we just have to talk about um, uh, Playboy's Playmate bloopers. Um, <laughs> I'm really not sure. I mean, that, maybe, maybe it's not you. I don't know. But <laughs> it was. Um, that's an interesting story because I um, uh, I had been working with an executive producer, and he went and he was doing that show, and he brought me over, and it was one of my first jobs, so it was I was doing, God, I don't know what my title was on it, but it was like researcher type thing, and the idea was to look for bloopers, uh -huh. and I don't know if you remember, but back in the eighties and stuff like that, this centerfolds had videotapes that oh, they yeah. would sell. I remember. You know, it was like just an hour. Do, I, do and, I remember? Wow. And, let, me, let me show you some. And so the idea that this was shot and you had to do bloopers. But the thing is, like, I was, I can't remember. I was like 25, 26 years old. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to get paid for eight hours to watch porn. <laughs> this is the greatest job ever. And literally. Wait, with, I don't have to pay you? And literally within two days, I'm like, Oh my God, this is the most miserable job. And I just started skimming through really oh, fast wow. because it just yeah. like, you just go, okay, enough, enough. And I mean, it wasn't yeah, that's like- That's how everyone watches porn. But it wasn't even like porn. <laughs> but it wasn't even like porn. You know, it was just them like walking around and then- Oh, them tripping over cords and well, stuff like that. And so, not... I, so you had to find them tripping over a cord or something. Okay. And then I would like, you know, tag that one and then send it. But Hugh Hefner didn't want the playmates to look stupid. Yeah. So he said no to all the bloopers. And we're like, but that's uh, what a blooper is. Yeah, yeah, Hugh, I don't know. And so like, I had this great one. I remember where this girl was walking out and she just fell right on her ass. It was hysterical, right? It was just really funny. Cause she's yep. like, and he's like, nope, nope. You can't use that. Cause it makes her <sighs> yeah. look dumb. It makes her look stupid. So he wanted things to Did be Did he like, not know who he had for Playmates? Well, it was just, and so you can imagine what a blooper tape looks like. that doesn't have bloopers. <laughs> uh. It was basically just a clip show of all the porn. Right, it was here's, just here's a tape of them reading books in between takes. Yeah, that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what it, that's what it turned out. Had you like... already written your letter home to your family saying, "Listen, <laughs> I found the greatest job ever." Well, <laughs> the, the funniest I, th I was writing on another show at the time called "That's My Dog," and it was for Family Channel. And Family Channel at the time was run by Pat Robertson, so it was a very <laughs> Kind of religious, but yeah. they didn't blatantly do religious things. But it was this. It was the opposite of Playboy. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I was working right. at the same time, and I remember going to the bake and depositing my Playboy check <laughs> and my Family Channel check <laughs> at the same time. That's funny. It's like an angel and a devil on your yeah, shoulders just, yeah. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Joel. That's great. Awful job, Joel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could go on and on about all all the different credits you have, but uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of most interested in fear factor um, sure i mean what the hell was i mean we all know what fear factor yeah. was i mean that's that's a big show and uh, did you work with joe rogan every directly? day every day every yeah. day what a I, well, no i wasn't gonna say something else but <laughs> <laughs> um back then he was still sane yeah um <laughs> and joe by the way you can come on the podcast yeah. whenever you Any, want yeah. but, anytime yeah. anytime <laughs> um my job on fear factor was i was um 
supervising producer and I was in charge of the creative. So I would either come up with a lot of the games and the stunts or w worked with a department that would come up with those. So that I was mostly dealing with all of the physical challenges. Mm -hmm. and like, like, like bull testicles. Like you, that well, was, that was like your, well, <laughs> it was your baby. Well, there was this <laughs> other guy who worked on the show, Rich Brown. He was in charge of finding all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So he would come to me and go, Hey, you know, we can have them eat, you know, Horse rectum. And yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. And <laughs> okay, cool. Can Thanks. we do that though? <laughs> yeah. And so we would do, um, you know, then we create a game around it or, or um, the okay. stunt department would come to us and say, Hey, we, we can do this stunt or I would come up with stunts and challenges. And then I would create like the game that went around it. Okay. So um, the, uh, yeah, so that's how that was kind of done. And then every day uh, out in the field is cause Joe would only show up on shoot days and it would take three days to shoot an episode so because we'd shoot a stunt each day so he would come and he and i would sit in the trailer and i'd go through here's the game today and he would be like what the hell is wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> who thinks of these things <laughs> you coming up like, with this Joe, stuff. they signed a waiver they signed it it yeah. says it right there in the contract yeah and he would be like okay that's what they're doing I'm like yeah and so then <laughs> we would go through that and yeah but working with joe was great i loved working with joe okay yeah. I think it would be cool, but um, any major injuries? You know, not when I was on the show. I was on no. for a couple seasons, then I left to go um, do, um, I was executive producing Family Feud. Mm -hmm. So I went to go do that. But major the, injuries there, I'm sure. Yeah. It was very, very different. And um, yeah, and it was funny because working on the show, um, a friend of mine who worked on the show with me, she would always say, like, I was a caged tiger walking around my office because we literally were just sitting in an office and going, oh, survey says uh, Thanksgiving dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, like, so boring. <laughs> and considering we had helicopters and all these other things on the previous show. Right. right. Um, but when I was on Fear Factor, we didn't have any serious injuries. We had one guy twist an ankle, huh. and that's because he wore – he wanted to dress a certain way for image and uh -huh. so he was wearing like just regular dress shoes and he had to run and jump from one building to the other and so oh. he just slammed into um the wall on the other side and he was, <laughs> which was and but he twists his ankle doing it yeah and then this other guy um this actually turned out being a good story is we were doing a, a jump from one jet boat to another jet boat and our stunt department was very clear like if you don't make it you have to let go don't try to get in they're gonna be going right. so fast right. And so this one guy jumped, he missed, but he was able to get his hand onto the boat and he was holding on and being pulled. Well, because he ended up separating his shoulder. Oh man. But when they found, when they went and were at the hospital doing this, they found a tumor in his shoulder. No shit. It actually oh. almost saved, like I guess saved his life. You're saving lives, man. Because they found this tumor in his shoulder, which That's he never cool. knew about and never would have if he didn't try to cheat in uh, Fear Factor. Okay. That's crazy. Huh. Wow. I'm updating IMDb to say doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dr. <Come on>. Joel. <laughs> That's crazy. Can you wow. imagine? I can't imagine jumping onto a boat in the first place because I can't stand water. <laughs> uh, so That's your fear factor, just like showing up at a lake. <laughs> fear is well, always a factor but, for me. What was, what was funny is... We would tell the, the production assistants, everybody, hey, if you have an idea for a stunt, you know, bring it into my office and yeah. pitch it to me. And if it's a good stunt, we're going to do it. And this one, one stunt guy, he came in. <laughs> he's like, I got this great idea. He goes, you know how we always put people in like in like a tub and we cover them in snakes or whatever? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And we're like, yeah. And he goes, what if we put them in and we just dump buttons on them? 
Buttons? And I'm like, what? Like from your grandmother's sewing box? Yeah. I go, buttons? You mean buttons covered with snakes, right? (laughs) He's like, no, my girlfriend's really terrified of buttons. Like she would freak out from that. Well, she's not on the show. (laughs) Are these spider buttons? I mean, they're they're buttons. Unless it's red buttons. I don't (laughs) know. That's... So you say you went to, to Family Feud. Yeah. Who was who was the host? Or what, it was Richard Karn at that time. It was right after Louis Anderson and okay. before John O'Hurley. So uh, Richard Karn did it. Okay. He did like a season or two. All right. What was that like? Oh, it was dreadfully boring. <laughs> um, I did not like doing it at all. It was... Um, no, you, no we went from shoulders, no, no uh, bull testicles. Yeah, it was, okay. you went from, you know helicopters and boats and mm-hmm. cars jumping you know driving cars off of the roof of a building and all these cool things to <laughs> seriously name name something you eat at thanksgiving how do you how do you come into work every day and be like what are we still just we're just in our offices and nothing has exploded nothing's yeah. exploded here okay yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean it was a good show i mean it does what it's supposed to do but it's still on the air going from yeah fear factor to that but um, I had to stay with the uh, F alliteration, so I had to um, just do that show. <laughs> uh, any any actual uh, family feuds during Family Feud? No, which would no. have been would have made it more fun. Yeah. Oh. Every once in a while, you see an outtake. Steve Harvey does. You see him now every now and again on on social media, and you know it's. I can't think of a good one off the top of my head, but there's some pretty funny moments. Yeah, it was. <laughs> those are really rare that. Stuff Somebody happens. says something funny. Yeah. Yeah. They're not comedians. No, no. And it's just no. pretty straightforward. And right. most of the time you wouldn't get much happening. So the whole premise of our podcast is comedy. Comedy, yeah. So, yeah. All so right. we, we've done, you know, we've done plenty of time <laughs> with not comedy. So uh, when during all of this or, or yeah. how, when, when did you actually start doing comedy or, or what, what got you into it? I am... Um, as a kid, I just loved stand-up. I watched stand-up all the time. And, there, and HBO, you see these great, you know, uh, one-night stands, what they used to be called. Yep, they were a monthly right. shows. They were awesome. I loved stand-up. I loved watching the Dean Martin rows. Again, to let you guys know how old I am. <laughs> the, um, but I, always, I was really, really shy as a kid. And was always told, oh, you can't write, you can't do this. And it was always like, you can't do anything. So I never did anything with it. And it was always my dream to do stand-up. But I never would do it. And I was really, really shy. And even as an adult, I was shy. And about, it was five years ago, we're living now in Vermont, and the uh, comedy club opened there, and it's a, re- it's a great comedy club, the Vermont Comedy Club, and they had um, a workshop, come and learn stand-up, you do it for five weeks, six weeks, whatever, and then you do um, a showcase. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And my wife was like, no, seriously. And she goes, you're not going to, like, and I'm like, no, I want to go up and do stand-up. I've always wanted to do it. I've never told anybody. It was like a secret dream of mine. Yeah. And okay. so I went and did the class, and I did the showcase. And I, obviously, from television, I have a lot of friends who are stand-ups, you know, who do it for real. And they were like, you're going to either do it once and go, cool, I'm yep. done. Yep. Or you're going to become obsessed. Yep. And I became obsessed. <laughs> and I've been doing it for five years now. And when I'm not doing television project i'm 100 focused on stand-up even when i'm working and i hope my, yeah. my co-workers don't listen to this because i'm <laughs> writing jokes yeah on, on the other screen it's nice yeah i mean it's yeah. you, you yeah. there's nothing better than doing stand-up i mean mm-hmm. once you get on stage and you do that i mean as you guys know once you do that the first joke that gets a laugh 
Yeah. You're like, this is really cool. And and coming from TV, what was nice is in TV, you're constantly dealing with network executives or whoever who are like, no, we're not going to do that. Or yes, we'll do You know what I mean? Yeah. Here, it's like, I can write a joke today. I can perform it tonight and give it straight to the audience. Yeah. And the audience will let me know if they like it or not. But I don't have to deal with... No one's network gonna tell you, notes. No one's going to tell you, you can't do that or, hey, you know, next time you do that, next time you're on stage, say it this way. Yeah. It's, yeah. you just, you know, which is great. And then, and also it's the, um, so besides being on stage being so great and I love it is I love the, uh, the, the communities. Mm-hmm. I mean, wherever you go, you know, whether in your home, you know, market with those comedians or even when you travel, everybody is like, they're so great. I mean, it definitely is a family when you go when you go other places and meet other comedians. For sure. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just great. They've all felt that same moment of Yeah. Oh, you're gonna laugh at this? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, we... you're not gonna laugh at this? Oh. Yeah. Let's go even further. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they 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 felt the ups and downs of it all yeah. as well. I mean, and and most of the time you meet comedians and they all want just want to figure out some way to how oh, how can I help you? How can I get you into yeah. this room? Yeah. Or Oh yeah, I got a show. You want to come do five minutes? That sort of. Yeah, you, come, that, you come over here to do a show for for Mark, and you're on our podcast. Exactly. I mean, yes. what, what better day could it be? <laughs> and McDonald's. <laughs> and McDonald's. <laughs> the um, yeah, no, you and you could tell who the good comedians are, without even having to see them on stage, because you see how welcoming they are mm-hmm. to people. Yeah. You know, if they're like really supportive and welcoming you, or there's the people who are like, oh, you know what I mean, who are auto- automatically like against you, you can already be like, yeah, you're going to suck on stage. <laughs> I, I know you're not going to be good. Or they're really good. And you're like, oh, that fucker. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, most of the time the they're not. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. yeah. the really good people are going to be like welcoming you and wanting yep. to help. Yep. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's, there's definitely people that way. Uh, so th- that leads me to, to ask about um, the scene in Vermont. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people think of Vermont as being very small and uh, we, sparsely populated. <laughs> I mean, we have a great scene. It's, it's obviously changing because of the pandemic and who yeah. knows as we're coming out of it now, what it's going to be like. Cause some people have moved away and things like that. Uh-huh. But we had a really, really good scene with some really good comics and we have a great club. Uh, the Vermont comic club is a great club. We get really good headliners that come through. I've opened for, Oh my God, I've opened for Gilbert Gottfried. I've opened for Bob Marley, Pete Lee, Michael Rappaport, mm-hmm. Dana Gold. Yeah. Um, I think there's another one. Oh, Ben Bailey, yeah. who I've opened for, which is great. I mean, they got really good people coming in and they're really supportive of, of having shows for standups and the comedians are really, really good. And because of Vermont, you know, it's almost like, um, because they don't put up with certain jokes that you can do in other markets. Such as? Oh, really? Like, they're more PC. Okay. There's okay. like, you know, if you were to go to Boston, you could definitely do certain jokes that you can't do in Vermont. The hmm. audience just won't take it. Okay. Um, so you're not going to do any, you know, misogynistic jokes. You're not going to do any homophobic jokes. You're not going to do any racist jokes. You're not going to do any of that stuff. I mean, it is not... You know, oh, that's okay though. No, it's great. Yeah. It, it's awesome. You know, and but even they're they have a high level of audience of what they want you to do. Does that make it harder for you to write? It, I mean, I, I don't, I don't. it makes it hard at first when you start. Okay, because I'm a perfect example. I get up there being the white male in my fifties, yeah, and automatically people expect me to be Louis C.K. Yeah, (laughs) you know, which I'm not. I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm a clean comedian. I do all my stuff is clean. But they, 
pushed me to be the audience, not saying you have to do this or not, like, but they pushed you to be that way. Like when I first started, which everybody does, I was much more blue material. Okay. Because it's easy yeah. and you know you're going to get a reaction. Yeah. But I got pushback from it from the audience. They didn't want to hear it from me. And it just made me go, okay, I got to write cleaner stuff, which I like doing because it makes you have to work harder and be, become more clever in your material. Sure. You just can't do shock. Yeah. And so I think it made the Vermont scene better because they won't let you get away with hacky jokes. They won't let you get away with something easy. You got to write good material. Uh -oh. And they'll be supportive. <laughs> I can't go to Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to write good stuff. And then they're, uh -huh. they're going to love you for it. You get up there and you do, oh, take my wife, please. They're going to be like, <laughs> nope. No. Heard it. Yeah. No they're not, they're, but also they're just, they don't want that even style of like, you know, oh, my wife. I don't like my wife. You know what I mean? It's like, don't start that stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like no one wants to hear it. A highly intelligent crowd. Yeah. Yep. And they'll laugh, but what's, you know, and a lot of the headliners when they come through, they're like, these are great audiences, they go, but they make you work. Yeah. They laugh, then they stop. <laughs> and they go, now tell me the next yeah. joke. Yeah. And then they'll laugh, and then they'll stop. There's uh, no, there's no carryover to the next one, you know. Uh, there's no flow, you're not yeah. riding a wave. They're like, like yeah. no, no, keep it going. Yeah. Oh. No, that was a three. Sorry, yeah. we're not laughing here. Yeah. Your last joke was good, but what's your next one going to be? It's, they don't they don't let you get away. With it, which is, but it's good. It makes you work harder. And oh, I yeah. think and I think it's made the scene a lot stronger. Nice. So we have some really good comedians there. That's great. So you have the Vermont Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. uh, have they reopened yet? They are probably going to open in September. Okay. Um, I was just talking with uh, one of the owners the other day, and she was saying that they're looking at doing like a soft open in August, mm -hmm. and then doing more in, you know, in, in September. I mean, and also summertime's slow Yeah, for, right. for clubs. So Everyone wants to be on the lake and stuff. Yeah, so they're like, there's no point in really opening up in the summer. Might as well just wait till the fall. Because Vermont's about to fully open. Yep. Because we're close to 80% um, vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, you know, our governor's like, yeah, then everything can open, so. Nice. Uh, what, are, what are the other spots besides the actual comedy club? It's the local showcases, you yeah, know, the same. local producers putting putting them in bars and yeah. wherever, doing things like that. Like I'm doing a show next week at um, Nectar's, yep, which Fish, yep. made famous, kind of big. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm doing a uh, showcase there. How do you get on that show? Uh, I want to go to Nectar's. You want to go to Nectar's? <laughs> it's brand new. They um, nice. Yeah, it was one of the local comedians. He uh, he approached him, said, "Hey, let's do a show." And you know, it's an early show, six thirty. You know. Ugh. Sun's so, still up. Yeah. So, um, but what's going to be nice about this week is uh, the Burlington Jazz Fest is going on. So there'll be a oh, cool. lot of activity downtown. Yep. So hopefully we'll get an audience for it. That's the big thing with a comedy club. Any club, really, or any place that you want to do comedy, you have to have that foot traffic going yeah. by and saying, like, oh, there's comedy here tonight? Sweet. Yeah. I'll go in. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're, we're, we're slowly coming back with some shows nice. and getting it going. Nice. That's good. Glad to hear that. When did you get? Your first laugh. Do you remember, like, were you in middle school, high school, where you said, like, ooh, that's intoxicating? Were you 46? <laughs> I, um, I'll let you know when I get it. <laughs> oh, right now. <laughs> the, um, I'm sure I got laughs before this, but being a really shy kid, I do remember in seventh grade, mm -hmm. uh, in music class, because I was really shy. I would not speak up at all. I wouldn't answer questions. Yeah. You could never hear me speak whatsoever. And um, the music teacher, I can't even remember what 
happened, but she called on me and she said something and it was a perfect setup and I made the funny line back uh -oh. and the whole class just cracked up <laughs> and she lost her mind and sent me to the principal. Oh no. Yeah. Cause it was like the yeah, only like time I ever spoke up and it was more of a roast at that point. And then, <sighs> but I was so shy yeah. that, um, I was recently back in my hometown and I saw one of my father's friends. I was having lunch with him and, you know, I actually, was, and he's like, so what are you doing? I mean, was, I guess it was a few more years ago, but he's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm doing stand up. And he's like, fucking kid, never said two words in high school. Now he's doing stand up. So I think that's a, that's a common story, actually. Yeah. Yeah. People finally find, because once you get that microphone in front of you, that fourth wall, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. And you get up there and I, it's like, I proposed to somebody the other night and, uh, <laughs> You know, I'm like, what am I doing? Nice. But I had the microphone in my hand, so I'm like, I can do whatever I want. There you go. I have so much power. Yeah, right now. exactly. It's crazy. So. Uh, you you mentioned uh, some some of your comedy influences and in, in working with some comedians. Who specifically uh, would you say? Hard to say. Yeah. Because I like so many. Let me ask you, know. you this: Have you seen the new Bo Burnham? I haven't yet. Oh my god. Okay. People, I haven't. I I've had like ten people tell me about this yeah. special. I, I watched, watched it the it other yet. night. You. I, I won't give it away. No, everybody you in, watch it. Yeah, all of the Vermont comedians yeah. are talking about it right now. I haven't seen it yet. Um, okay. But it's weird. I can go back to so many as a kid watching specials on on HBO when they did these. And I remember seeing Shecky Green. I remember seeing a comedian. Most people don't know, but he, he, he was very old school when I mm -hmm. was watching him as a kid. was Myron Cohen. And he had unbelievable one-liners. He was so good. But then um, David Brenner... And then watching when Robin Williams came through, and then Richard Jenny was great, and it, it, there's just so many went through. And I think the closest that influenced the way I do my comedy would probably be Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, only because we're s similar backgrounds, you know, where I grew up in New York State and being raised Jewish by my, you know, my parents and stuff. That, um, and I do more observational and it's clean. So I would yeah. say that's kind of, I mean, not that I think he's the funniest comedian. But I do think he's probably one of the best writers. And, he's definitely and, the richest. Yeah. <laughs> and in the way he puts his sets together. Yeah, but okay. um, there's so many I could go through. I mean, I remember, like, I remember I was older. I was in my 20s. And I went to go see, I was at a comedy club in L.A. And Bobcat Goldthwait came in wow. to do um, just a quick guest set. And no one was going to be there. And I never liked Bobcat Goldthwait because I was just screaming and right. all this other stuff. Weird voice. But he, he sat on a stool and just did jokes and stories and stuff, and he killed it. And I was like, Interesting. and it was like, wow, he so is. It wasn't just him doing a character. It was, no, it was and it was, it was brilliant. Jokes. Yeah. And I remember leaving with my friends going, if he would do that, yeah. he'd become the biggest comedian there is. Because he was so good and so quick and talking to the audience and just doing things. And it wasn't being this crazy character of screaming. It was just, because it was a very small club yeah. and intimate. And it was like, wow, he was so good. It was like amazing. Weird, oh, because great. he's known for that voice and that character yeah. and that's what he's done. But yeah. Oh, the other he... one I really, really love, and huh. even though my humor is nothing like that, what he does was Bobby Slayton was yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. But it was like all stand-ups. I mean, it was like very yeah. few that, I mean, I remember I, I worked with um, Paula Poundstone on a pilot once. Oh, cool. And seeing, I went to go see her perform, and she is like, she was incredible. I mean, she's so good. Pre-pandemic, she came to Maine a lot. I, I, I want to say. Um, oh, really? 
I want to say she had a home here or something, but I, I don't know for sure. But she came to Maine and performed down the southern Maine area. Nice. She's yeah. performed in Vermont a couple times. Yeah, she, yeah. I don't know where she's from originally, but um, that's what I've always heard. Um, what is your What is your writing process? What, how 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 do you come up with a joke? <clears throat> I, because my background is writing. Even though I come from like game shows and reality shows, I do a lot of writing. And so I write every day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I have the I have a harder time coming up with premises than I do coming up with jokes. Yeah. Once I have a premise, I can write jokes easier. But it's the premise that I have a hard time with, you know, of getting what I want to talk about. But I'm getting better at that. But I write every day and I'll just Sometimes it's just journaling and getting something and go like this. Sometimes it'll be like, oh, I want to talk about this. And then I'll just start listing things and doing things. And it's, yeah. um, I have uh, OCD. So a lot of, but I mean like legit. So it's a lot of what I do has to be a certain way oh. and, and having a routine of it. So I, there's a certain way of like writing that I like to do it and come up with jokes and stuff hmm. like that. So I like having methods and, and process. I don't like to just do it free. I like to have some type of... So when you go on stage, you have what you want ready to go. Oh, yeah. 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 Like I'm doing the show tonight. I, yeah. I have my set list. I know what I'm doing. No yeah. deviation or anything like that? Um, I can, right. depending what the audience is doing. And if it leads me something, I'm like, oh, I should go do this bit. I'll throw it in. But like, I know... But it's a bit you're going to do. It's not just an off-the-cuff sort of thing. Oh, no. It's, it's, uh, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm going to pull this bit out. Okay. Yeah. I'm, okay. You know, I, and that comes from television production. That comes yeah. from pre-production. It's like, you know, when you get to production, you need to know what you're doing. I mean, I can stray. Like, if something were to happen, I could go, oh, I have a joke for that. I have a bit that, I, that I've done before. I know, and I'll do it. Um, never really, I don't really interact with the audience in the sense of, like, yep. you know, um, crowd work or yeah. any of that type of stuff. Um, I have before if it comes up. It, it won't, like, completely throw me. You know, it's not like I'll, I'll do it, but I like going in knowing... And, and like I said, that comes more from being a TV producer. It's like, yeah. I want to give you a show, so here's the show. Right, right. As right, opposed right. to, I have no idea what I'm doing tonight, so let's just wing it. I I don't like that as a performer. I don't like it as an audience member yeah. where people are just like, because then to me it's like, oh, you don't really care enough about the show ah. that, you, uh, that you didn't come prepared for it. Right, so okay. it's like, I feel like you need to be prepared going into the audience. Not that you have to be, I'm doing a script and tunnel vision, but you need to, Here's the show, but if something happens, I can deal with it, and then we'll go on. So you don't necessarily plan to do crowd work, uh, but like, how do you how do you handle hecklers or like you know audience that isn't? This is so stupid of me to say, and it's going to sound really like pompous. Whatever. I've never had a heckler, Uh-oh. and <laughs> and 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 I once was taught a long time ago: if you're funny, you'll never have a heckler. Oh, okay. So as long, and that's kind of like when I go in Fair doing point. a show. <laughs> but when that's why I, when I go into a show, I like being prepared. I know these bits work, okay. so I'm not going to have a time when there's. A, I I have had um because every now and then I throw in some political jokes, and I was doing a joke at a place where they didn't particularly like my take on something. You know what I mean? So then. I did what any comedian would do then is I doubled down on it and just like, you know, and then went, and went a little deeper <laughs> into it. Bad. And it was like, okay, I see where we're at here. Well, you know where I stand. I know where you stand. Yeah. So I'm the one on stage with the mic. So, um, so yeah, I, I could do that. That was the only time. And then one time I do a bit, I don't do it anymore, but it was all about Rudolph and, and Santa. Rain, okay. And, um, and 
just how what a jerk Santa was the whole time in there. <laughs> and there was this table in front. They sat there and they crossed their arms. They were all pissed off. And they were like, we don't like this war on Christmas stuff. I'm like, this is, this is a 1967 animated film I'm talking about. But they did, they did not like the whole war on Christmas there. The war on Christmas. Wow. You poor babies. <laughs> well, do you, think, do you think comedians can handle life a little better then? I mean, do you, I mean, I think as comics, we're able to like have adversity come at us. I mean, obviously, those people sitting in the front row, like crossing their arms over that, like, come on, they can't handle it. They don't see the funny and shit. Like, we see the funny and stuff, right? I think we see the funny in it, but I also think that we all have grown up in a way where we were all either picked on or whatever. <laughs> that we've already gone through this crap, and we're like, now we're just gonna laugh about this shit because yeah. it's um. But yeah, no, I think, but I think comedians have a better take on stuff because they have to look at things from all different angles to begin with when you're writing a joke. Yeah. Because you're going to be like, oh, what's the angle on this? Am I going to go this way? Am I going to go this way? So I think when certain things happen with diversity, you're able to go, okay, that's this. But if I look at it this way, you know what I mean? So I think, yeah. I think part of being a comedian just helps you learn that. What are your goals going forward in comedy? Um, as I told you, I'm old, if you guys can tell. <laughs> so I don't think I have the 20-year career to get me a Netflix special. Never but know. Um, I, as I always tell people, you know, if I'm not going to be delusional about my career, no one else will be delusional about my career. Okay. Oh, all right. So yeah. my goal is I, I want to be able to travel and do clubs and feature at clubs, yeah. you know, and then maybe get the headline at smaller places. Okay. And Your home club or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Or even smaller clubs like around yeah. the, the country and stuff like that, but be able to go there and feature and... You know, I'm not looking to be like, oh, I have to make a gazillion dollars doing this, whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, it's more like if I could survive doing that, that being able to just do comedy all the time. and Yeah, so, so what's, what's like your sweet spot for like the amount of time on stage or like, and, and then what's like if you stretch it and gave, gave somebody everything, what do you think you can do? Um, right now, my sweet spot's probably 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. that I like doing. I've headlined some shows where I've had to do 30. Okay. And which I felt comfortable with where I wasn't taking any, you know, C material and putting it in, you know, maybe yeah. a couple of B bits were in there. If you were to say, I need you to do 40, I could, mm -hmm. but it would be, it would be pushing it. Yeah. But if you were to say, hey, can you come do 30? I can do 30. If you were to say do 20, I have things to choose from of what I want to do that with that 20. You'd feel good. That's yeah, cool. I could That's sit cool. there and go, I'm going to do these 10 bits yeah. for this 20 minutes. Or I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to take these three out and put these three in. So I have enough that I can move around so it's not the same nice. exact 20. You know, the the through line will be the same because the kind of arcs. I kind of start with who I am and then I, I, I go from like growing up and, you know, being married and producing and then different things with observation will come in at different spots depending who the audience is. Yeah. Nice. So. That's good. I think, I, I think I'm... Similar, not the same well, goal, but I think like if I when I get to like five years, I've been doing it for three years. So like when I get to five years, I'd like to have a really good twenty minutes. Yeah. Like right now, I think I have like a good ten minutes. I can I usually I usually do like fifteen minute sets. But like if I want I want to get to like a good twenty minutes after five years yeah. and just be really really consistent at that yeah. at that level. I like I like doing the fifteen to twenty because it allows you to do an you know arc your set 
Right. So it goes from one place to the next. Yeah. You know, when someone says, hey, can you do seven minutes? Can you do five minutes? You know, you're like, oh, okay. It's brutal. It's yeah, like, it's hard. <laughs> you know, and I do a lot of, I can do a lot of one-liners. So a lot of times I do that. And I do a very different five-minute set than if I'm going to do, you know, 12 or 15 or 20, because you're like, okay, I don't have time to let people get to know me. So I just got to hit them with jokes. Right, right. And just go joke, 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 and just do that. And I'll get into a little bit more observational because I'm like, it's more universal, you know, where I can go, oh, I'm going to do a bit about warning labels. Okay, done. You know what I mean? I can do that because we can just jump right in there. But if I, you know, like tonight I'm doing a bit about, you know, being a game show producer. So I'm like, I'm a game show producer and I get into some other stuff, you know, and it, but you got to get to know me a little bit first before I get into that because, right. you know, there's, there's more to it. And then a lot of those jokes, you know, that are so personal to you, people need to get to know you a little bit. They go, oh, I get why that's funny, and then laugh at it. But right. if they don't know me in the first two minutes and I try doing this joke, they're going to be like, oh, uh, what's he talking about? Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's really true. I got yeah, I'm doing that. five to seven tonight. And nice. I'm not I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, what was it, Oscar Wilde who once said, uh, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have enough time. Right, yep. Oh, yep. Good, good. You know, it's just really hard to write, mm -hmm. to go do five minutes. Yep. Yeah. After you've done it for a little while. All right. So thank you, Joel. I, uh, so we have a segment on the podcast called Curse the Darkness. And uh, if you're familiar, there's, there's an idiom goes like, I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness. So normally it would be like you want to fix your problems and not just complain about them. So so in opposition to that, we'd like you to actually curse the darkness. If you can think of something you want to complain about that you don't plan on doing anything about or burning any calories to fix... <laughs> Uh, what, what would that be? You know, I had to think about this for a minute, but now I definitely have one. When, uh, when I'm walking my dog and I'm on the bike path, um, people pick up their dog poop and put it in a plastic bag, uh -huh. but then leave it on the bike path. Oh, oh really? You've already done the worst <laughs> part. You've already picked up the dog poop. Yep. Now carry it with you to the trash can. Don't leave it there. And it's like these people, they leave it there. Oh, really? Like, like on the actual... In the plastic bag, tied up in a knot, just left there as if, you know, some <laughs> dog a, poop fairy is, is going to come pick it up. <laughs> and it's like, they did the hard part. They did the gross part of picking up the poop. But now they've just left it there. It's like in the plastic bag, just carry it out. So yeah, in that, Vermont, people leave trash. Yeah, I cannot. Believe and that. I'm like, you know what? That's the one I would curse because I'm like, I'm not gonna do a damn thing about it. No, you're not picking it up. But when I walk my dog, I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> just carry it with you. You've already done the, the worst part. Like people are probably thinking I did this now. Yeah, exactly. You walk. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I love is the people who put it on the back of their Subaru underneath the windshield wiper. I saw wiper. that for the first what? time the other day. Yeah, you've never seen this? Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I saw it for the very first oh. time the other day. I'll drive in with, with my wife, and I'm like, is that a poop bag hanging from their wiper? <laughs> and you, she's like, I think me? it is. Yeah. I never. I literally saw it like a couple days ago. Yeah. I was like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. It's uh. a poop bag hanging on the back of the car. Why the hell would you do that? I don't know. There's no trash can between here and wherever the hell you're going. Like it's but, amazing. It's, but it's in a plastic bag. Just yeah. put it in your car. And I, it? But I assume it's like biodegradable plastic. But, no, uh, not necessarily. But uh, some are. Okay. Some are. But but it's hang. It's like they yeah, they tuck <laughs> it in the back behind the wiper. They and picked I, it up and they carried it to where they were they were going and then they put it on the back of their car underneath the I guess, wiper. Just, just, like, oh, it, smell, it, I guess. Oh, know. bag of poop. The places you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 like the it's it's the polite version of truck nuts. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> it's the hippie I, version. Because I picked up my dog's poop, but I wanted to at least have the truck nuts there. 
I'm not quite an American, but. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Joel Klein, thank you very much for being on our podcast. We really do appreciate. Thanks for having me on. Time. Yeah. This has been this has been great. Uh, we will. I don't know. See you next time. What the hell? I don't. Know. We'll you... see him later tonight. Actually. Oh, we'll see you later tonight. <laughs> That's Jesus right. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't drive all the way here just for this. Oh no! Me. What? <laughs> no, thank you, thank you, Joel. Yes. It's good no, to thank see you. you. It was, it was, it was a blast. A nice lot of fun. Out, so. Thank you very much, Joel Klein. Everyone. Thank you all. That was Joel Klein from Vermont and L.A., the West Coast one. You can check him out at the Vermont Comedy Club, which should be opening back up soon. Yeah, another funny father just like us, uh, and what an interesting career in television. Who knew there were all those different producers and none of them actually do shit? Well, Fear Factor really did have a big following, but on Hollywood Squares, Family Feud, those were kind of iconic and needed a lot of production to keep people in line. If you say so. Uh, thanks again <laughs> to everyone. <laughs> No, that's good. Go ahead. Thanks again to everyone who listened. Tell your friends we're going to leave this in uh, and follow <laughs> Comedy Think Tanked wherever you can. Oh, that's an order. Be sure to give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Comedy Think Tanked, Twitter at Comedy Tanked, and our website, comedythinktanked.com. Email us at comedythinktanked at gmail.com. Uh, have a good day, everyone. Bye. Music was written and produced by a minor, Ralph Bergfeld. No comedians were hurt in the production of this podcast. All audio snippets of actual funny punchlines were not written or performed by any of us or our subsidiaries. Rather, they are express written bits of professionals we admire. Let the civil actions be filed. Any opinion heard, actual or implied, is that of the comedy think tank producers and their guests. Any slight, insult, affront, slur, disparaging remark, snub, rebuff, rejection, or spurning, no matter how derogatory, pejorative, or abusive you may feel it is, was not intended, but for comedic, entertaining purposes only. Thanks for listening. Why does Snoop Dogg carry an umbrella? To keep rain from falling on him? For drizzle. <laughs> <laughs>